Hey guys, welcome back to another video. This is the first episode of the new interview series I'm starting on my channel. In this episode, I sit down with Anjil Gurg, who is a senior software engineer at Microsoft. I ask him a couple questions on how he started, how he got into tech, and what are some of the advice he can give to people who are looking to get into the tech industry. Let me know in the comments below what you guys think of this episode, and hope you guys enjoy. Okay, I guess we can start off. You can tell the viewers what you do. Sure. I am a senior software engineer at Microsoft, and I work for Azure Communication Services. So Azure Communication Services is a CPaaS platform, and CPaaS stands for Communication Platform as a Service. I joined Microsoft about two years ago, and currently I've been working uh, as a front-end developer. Uh, and the team that I'm working with specializes in building cutting-edge uh, communication experiences for our customers, and it has been a great journey so far. I guess, so walk me through a bit of your day. What, is, what does an average day look like for you? Mm -hmm. So most software engineers start their day uh, in a similar fashion. So I usually start my day with a team meeting where we discuss how our work has been going, if there are any blockers to our work, or if we want to inform uh, the team about something uh, that can be a risk to the work that we are doing. So there are a couple of meetings in the morning usually, and once you're done with those meetings, you start planning your day, you know, uh, what major goals you're going to achieve uh, during that day. Uh, for me, it's usually planning work for other junior engineers on the team, planning work for myself. If I have some meetings later in the day, maybe planning for those meetings, I might have to present some technical ideas to others. So I might be working on some presentations, some technical documents, so on and so forth. And of course, I spent a major chunk of my day coding as well. Reviewing others code, we call it PR reviews. And uh, overall helping the team be more productive in their day as well. Yeah. So you mentioned the team meeting you have in the morning. So how early is this in the morning? Is this 7 a.m.? No, it's not that early. So for me, it's 10.30 uh, a.m. in the morning. Okay. But it differs for every team. Sometimes if a team has members from differing time zones, yeah. these meetings can also be at odd hours to accommodate everyone. But I'm lucky my entire team is in PST, so we do it at 10.30 every morning. Okay, so now let's step back a bit. So walk me through a bit of your journey uh, of getting here um, as a senior software engineer at Microsoft. So what was the goal when you were growing up? Like, do you, how, why did you want to get into tech? Sure, so it's kind of an interesting story. I was always into computers, but they fascinated me in a way that never actually related to software engineering. So when I saw my first computer, I was really fascinated because I could play my games on it. And I wanted to be someone who can build their own computer. So I remember I was, I think, in the, in the ninth standard when I fixed my computer by myself for the first time. Um, and then I got hooked. So I started learning how to install Windows on a computer. Yeah. And then I moved on to how to install Linux in a computer. So ever since then, whenever my teachers or my professors ask me what you want to do in your life, I always had the answer. I said, I want to be a software engineer. But it was easier said than done. Uh, I was not that great in my academics in school. So I had a lot of snags uh, on, uh, in this journey. But somehow I managed to find my way into a reputed uh, uh, university 
and I could complete my bachelor's in computer science. I started working in startups in India because they can teach you a lot and they can really inculcate uh, ethics and hard work in your personality. So I worked for a lot of startups. I think I, I spent my first five years working for startups and it was very rewarding. I was able to work for some really successful products. However, I had always wanted to work for Microsoft. So I remember as soon as I graduated my college, my dream company was Microsoft. But for some reason, I could not appear for an interview. So when I moved to Canada, I was still working for a startup here. And uh, I got approached by a recruiter from Microsoft and they asked me if I wanted to interview for them. The position was for a junior engineer, but I want Microsoft so bad, I said, yes, I will interview. So I, I gave that interview. It went so well that they offered me a senior position, even though the interview for, was for a junior oh. position. So that's how I got into Microsoft. That's how I achieved my dream job. Mm. And uh, yeah, it has always been on my mind that I want to be in Microsoft. So you can say ever since I knew what a career is, I had wanted to be a software engineer. So why Microsoft in particular? So the answer is pretty funny. I guess Microsoft was the first name I knew that was related to software development because I always saw Microsoft Windows, right? But in all seriousness, even while I was going through my college and I was working for startups, I always knew and kind of heard it from others that Microsoft is a great place to work and it provides great work-life balance. It's really reputed firm out there. Most of the enterprise software you see out there is by Microsoft. So it kind of made sense to, you know, shoot for the stars. Okay, that's good. And so you mentioned you worked, I think five, five six years of your early career. Yes. In startups. startups yes. So during that time period, like during your junior days, what were the major challenges you faced? as you like, grew up in your progression and gained more experience? So, software engineering as a field is very challenging uh, because it requires you to constantly learn. Even, even if you become really mature, even after 20, 25, 30 years in this field, I have seen people who have to constantly learn. So as someone who is just starting out in this field, they already have a mountain of knowledge they have to surpass before they become a usable member of any organization. So I would always look up to my peers, look at others, knew that I had to reach there, but that path looked too long. And that can become really challenging. It can become overwhelming and give you self-doubts. So that, has, that was something I had to overcome, self-doubts. And that's something I've seen in most junior engineers. They, they have self-doubt, they don't have confidence. So in day-to-day -day things, let's say they're reviewing a PR. So they're reviewing some analysis code. Even if they think something is wrong, they won't speak up about it. Mm -hmm. They will second guess themselves instead of relying on their knowledge. Yeah. So to get to a point where you can say, okay, this is wrong, you need to change it. I think that journey is the most challenging part of a software engineer's career. And is that something that you personally overcame or was there like a mentor or someone to guide you along that path? Like overcoming those self-doubts? Yeah, so 
unfortunately, in the early days of my career, I never had a mentor, but that kind of geared me for, or, or prepared me for, for this in a way that when you don't have a mentor, you have to, you know, inculcate that confidence in yourself. Otherwise, who is there to guide you yeah. if you don't guide yourself? So even if, even though I did not have a mentor, I kind of learned to trust my decisions more because I applied them every day. I saw my decisions taking effect every day and being successful every day uh, because in startups you iterate really quickly. So I started slowly believing more in myself and believing more in my decisions. And that's how I came to a point now where, although I do back my claims with knowledge, I also have a lot of faith behind what I say. Okay, that's pretty, really interesting. And I guess aside from self-doubt, um, so you mentioned earlier when you were describing what you do, one of the things you mentioned was you plan work for some of the junior engineers on your team. Mm -hmm. So as someone who is a senior now, aside from self-doubt, what are some other things you see that junior developers, like what other challenges they face? Like what things that they get wrong? So challenges, usually that I see junior engineers facing are due to lack of knowledge. So, you know, our field is all about solutioning, coming up with great solutions. You know, engineering is all about effective solutions. But to create great solutions, you need to have a lot of knowledge. You need to know what the bad solutions are to know what a good solution is, right? So oftentimes, junior engineers end up creating bad solutions or suboptimal solutions so that's one problem they face and it's not their fault. It takes a certain level of, level of experience to get to an optimal solution. So with that being said, it is, it is really important for junior engineers to invest a lot of their time in learning and self-growth yeah. so that they can reach a point where their solutions are really valuable to the company. Another problem that I see in junior engineers these days is they see their peers who have been in the industry for five or 10 years. They see others being successful and they think, why can't I be that person? And they want to achieve that success really fast without putting in the amount of work that is required. Uh, that can lead to a lot of frustrations early on. And uh, I think it's a time to slow down assess your strengths, assess your weaknesses, lean onto your strengths and work on your weaknesses for the first couple of years at least, and not try to chase a dream that someone took 10 years to achieve. Okay, so essentially what you're saying is have realistic expectations of yourself. Sure. Yes. Okay, yeah. Well, that's definitely pretty insightful advice because someone, as someone who is in their junior, um, in the junior stage of their career, uh -huh. that's something I need to be mindful of as well. Mm -hmm. It's what are the, like realistic things that I can achieve within mm -hmm. the time period. Well, I guess that's interesting. So one thing you mentioned was you worked in India in startups for mm -hmm. about five, six years, and you mentioned you wouldn't get um, interviewed for, say your dream job was at Microsoft, and you wouldn't get like good through the recruiter phase during that. So to be honest, I, for the first five, six years, I never applied for any other okay. companies because I was happy in the work that I was doing. And uh, I wanted those companies to succeed and see myself succeed working for them. And even in Canada, 
I never applied for Microsoft. They reached out to me. So it was pure luck. I would say it was in the stars. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess on that point, so how did they contact you? Was that through LinkedIn? It was or through LinkedIn, yeah. Okay. LinkedIn is now a de facto platform for mm -hmm. reaching out to talent. Okay. Well, I guess so my next question alludes to that point. So what things can, say, high school or college students who want to get a tech job or have the goal of getting a tech job, mm -hmm. what things should they focus on? So, for example, one of them being having like strong social presence, so having a good LinkedIn profile and stuff. Mm -hmm. So what other things can they do to bring the spotlight to them so they can get recognized? Uh, good question. So when you say having a good LinkedIn profile, what makes a profile good? Yeah, well, in, I would say the thing that is the most appealing is probably your prior experience, mm -hmm. um, your educational background. Uh -huh. And as well as if you have any recommendations or any reviews from other people on sure. your profile. So, you know, tech has reached a point where they don't really care about your academics. Anyone can be a software engineer, even if they don't have a high school diploma. So there goes your good academics. Okay. Uh, you said people in or, or kids in high school who want to enter tech. Well, if you're in high school or even college, you won't have any prior experience to showcase. So there goes your prior experience. And reviews, again, who would give you reviews? You have never worked in the industry. So for fresh, uh, for fresh graduates or someone who is in high school, and this is my personal opinion, I don't think LinkedIn is really that beneficial to you. I mean, you should have a profile there. It should be professional. It should have all the knowledge that you can present. But instead, work on your portfolio. Start by creating a personal website. Yeah. For me, it's anjulgurg.com. Create one for yourself. Learn some HTML coding. Learn some uh, web development. Uh, if you're into data science, build a couple of data science projects. Put them on GitHub, make them open source. Mm -hmm. Ask others to contribute, or maybe contribute to other open source projects out there. You know, practice coding on lead code. Yeah. Software engineering is still major, majorly about coding. You need to be really good at coding. Even if you have not studied computer science from um, a reputative university, you need to know the basics of computer science. And when I say basics, I mean how do computers work? What is a bit? What is zero and one? Mm -hmm. What are data structures? Uh, how do data structures apply to day-to-day -day programming? You need to know those fundamentals. Apart from that, if I set tech aside, you need to be someone who can read and write well because you need to read technical specifications and understand what they are saying and you need to convey your ideas to maybe non-tech people yeah so you need to be really good at that apart from that one other personality trait that i think makes a great software engineers is having customer empathy mm -hmm. to, to put yourselves in the shoes of a customer and think like what they would think would ultimately help you come up with great solutions that are usable by customers and uh, and not something that's that looks good to you but ultimately when it goes out in the, into the real world it's it just falls flat on its face so empathy is a really important tool in the arsenal of a software engineer okay so essentially what I'm getting at is um, have a, a strong portfolio so a strong 
a lot of projects that you've worked on that can mm -hmm. showcase these key qualities. Uh -huh. One of them is that you have a strong technical base. Mm -hmm. The other is customer empathy. So how customer oriented are you? For so sure. whatever your projects are, like are they solving a real problem or not? Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is how well you can convey that to others. Yeah. And uh, to non-tech people. Yeah. So social skills are also important. Absolutely. So those are your three uh, best, I guess, advice. Yeah. Best tips for upcoming um, engineers. Well, I guess so on that note, so you mentioned that you don't need a high school diploma to mm -hmm. get into tech. Mm -hmm. So I want to go into that a bit further. So do you think that universities are now obsolete in terms of um, just um, having software engineering as a profession? That's a tricky question. I would not call universities obsolete. I would just say they have become optional. Mm, okay. So even if you don't have the means to go to a university, you might not have the time, you might not have the money, or you just live in a place where there are no universities. It's not the only option. You can self-learn self and train yourself to be a software engineer. Okay. Well, I guess on that note, the, the main problem that a lot of people face who are trying to get a tech job is they can't get through that initial recruiter phase. Like, mm -hmm. they can't. And one of the things that recruiters, which I feel they strongly look at, is your academic background. Not necessarily how well you did, but where you studied. So that's still a big thing, what I feel like. Do you share those things, Ian? To an extent, I would not deny that a, a good university does make a huge difference. Because obviously, why wouldn't a recruiter want to hire from a reputed university yeah. uh, that has a record of churning out really good engineers, right? But if you don't have that kind of background, you can really set yourself apart by doing all the things that I recommended earlier. You know, just how do you beat someone who has been uh, trained in, univers in a university? You had more time. Use that time. Yeah. Convert that time into really nice projects that showcase your talents and showcase to the recruiters that you are more ready for the real world than a university graduate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I guess, okay. Another thing I wanted to touch upon was you mentioned early on that you worked in a lot of startups. Mm -hmm. So you already gave some insights into what you think junior developers get wrong. So I want to change the focus a bit to entrepreneurs, so people who are founders of startups. So what do you think they make mistakes? Like what startups, uh, what mistakes do startups make in their initial phases? Wow, so many. So, far? so many mistakes. Uh, to name a few, financial blunders. So software engineers are costly and most startups these days rely on technology to give them an edge, right? Which means you have to hire really expensive software engineers. You might have an X amount of money in your budget and if you are spending 70% on software engineers, chances are you don't have enough money left to do market research, yeah. to iterate or to pivot so that's one mistake. I've seen a lot of founders, a lot of entrepreneurs, they run out of money. And they they start with the hopes of getting a seed funding really early on, but that's rare. Apart from that, I've seen uh, a lot of entrepreneurs trying to develop a product as they saw it in their head, okay? They thought it would be a great product for people, but there was no right market fit. It was a great product on paper, but 
for the people, it did not have as many use cases as the founder thought. Not applicable, like realistically? Not applicable, yes. That's another reason. Sometimes it's about, you know, uh, bad culture. Okay. Product was good. It was executed uh, carefully. It's doing well. But the culture in the, in the company is so bad that employees don't want to work there. They don't stay there. So when you're dealing with such a high level of, uh, uh, you know, employee shift, yeah. it becomes difficult to iterate and develop a product quickly. That can also cause a product's downfall. Mm -hmm. And one more thing I would say is technology is ever evolving. Our world is ever evolving. You could have a product that was viable 10 years ago, but now it has lost all its purposes. So you have to constantly evolve your product. Some people cannot adapt to exactly. those changes. So and still, they're locked in that traditional mindset. Yes. Well, I guess so on that point, you mentioned that, so in theory, a product can be good. Founders think it's a good product, but in actuality, it's not. Mm -hmm. How can startup founders like avoid this like how do they make sure okay this has like proper like market value good point so there are a lot of resources available out there online that teach you how to take an idea to a product and then take it take it to the market there are a lot of books available as well I would definitely recommend you reading those but in a nutshell you need to find a product market fit so do some researches you know talk to people uh, conduct researches if possible surveys if possible Create a POC in as shortest amount of time as possible. So two to three months, create a POC, take it to the market, give it to actual customers, get their feedback, yeah. and don't just rely on friends and family through that. Take it to actual customers, get their feedback. If they think it's useful, they will let you know. Evolve that product a bit more, you know, expand that POC, take it to the market again, and keep doing this process until you have a product for which you can find paying customers. Mm -hmm. And customers don't always have to pay you directly in order to be a paying customer. There are always uh, many ways to make a customer a paying customer. And when you have paying customers, you will definitely get funding. Okay, so you mentioned make a POC. What's a POC? POC stands for proof of concept. It's the smallest subset of your product that you can create which basically showcases how your product would function in the real world. Okay. One thing I wanted to talk about, which you, it's okay if you don't want to answer it, uh -huh. uh, which is, do you think software engineers are in a privileged position? Mm -hmm. Starting salaries are high compared to some other college majors, like say engineering, study requirements are less. You can get into the industry fairly easily compared mm -hmm. to some other um, professions and it pays really well. Uh -huh. Like starting off, it pays really well and then you can progress through and do wonders in your career. So do you think like, is this, this a bit privileged for initial workers? So let me ask you this. What dictates how much income someone makes? I think that should be relative to how much they bring in to the company, sure. how much value. Right, your income is directly proportional to the impact you make. Yeah. As a software engineer, you are in a privileged position to make the highest amount of impact with the lowest amount of work possible amongst other fields. So if you want to call that privilege, you can call it privilege. I would, I would call it, you know, advancement. I would call it evolution. 
knowledge is going to be king in the future you know the more tech technically advanced you are the more you will be at an advantageous position in your in your life so software engineers being at the forefront of technology it kind of makes sense for them to be making as much as they make because they are kind of you know bringing in the uh, in the technical evolution in this world with their day-to-day -day work with that being said I am indeed grateful that I'm a software engineer uh, and have a huge respect for people who are essential workers mm -hmm. people who are in the medical fields yeah. people who are uh, in the army people who are you know making this world run day to day so huge respect for them as well okay well I guess we'll end off with the last question mm -hmm. so say you were to um, go into a teleportation machine uh -huh. and you teleport back to say you, you teleport back to see your younger self mm -hmm. what advice would you give to your younger self that how can a, a mini angel live a life that he can be proud of well first of all I would ask him to change his haircut Go to the gym, eat more, wear better fitting clothes. <laughs> but on a serious note, if I could go back and tell myself something, I would probably say, you know what, keep doing what you're doing. You will get to a good place eventually. Okay. I wouldn't change a thing. And uh, that's how you should live your life as well. No regrets, just put your best foot forward. Well, thank you so much for joining me and answering my questions. I hope you guys enjoyed as well, and I'll see you in the next video. Thank you.